0: Yes, greetings and a very warm welcome to the show. You're listening to The ProcureTech Podcast, the weekly show that brings everything that's fun, innovative and exciting in the procurement space. And we're definitely not going to send you to sleep. We're going to continue this week with our series on e-sourcing platforms, bringing an insight into how different startups out there are approaching the e sourcing conundrum through a different lens and with different offerings. And that really makes a very exciting ecosystem in what has become. In all fairness, quite a crowded space. So this week is the penultimate one. We've given you three already. We've got this one, then the final one next week. This week we're going to be talking to pretty well established startup actually in this space whose philosophy really is about giving quick and simple access at affordable prices to an e sourcing tool that can actually do quite a lot. And then through the different modules that they have. In addition to that, it gives you sort of plug and play, pick and mix, pay as you go type of functionality around what you can add to it at any given point in time. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce this week's guest, who is Nicholas Martin from Market Dojo. Welcome to the show. Hi, James. Great to be here. And thank you for joining. So, Market Dojo has been around a while. You started out in 2010, and over time, you've slowly added features and expanded product range to move, I guess, from a simple e-sourcing tool to be kind of a mini vendor management suite. But I guess at its core, based on your marketing and what you put out there, you still see your USP as being a user-friendly, comprehensive e-sourcing tool, but with some add-ons that customers can take advantage of as their digital procurement journey begins to mature. So maybe let's start off, if you can just introduce the solution and what you see as some of the USPs out there that differentiate yourselves from the competition, and then we can dig into some of the ethos of how you see the customer and stakeholder experience of e-sourcing tools with, with what you're doing.
1: Okay, yeah, that sounds great. Market Dojo... Uh, provide on-demand e-sourcing solutions to help procurement teams of all sizes manage supplier information and negotiate more effectively. So what that means really is that we've got quite a wide range of customers, I would say, and we're trying to provide solutions that will allow them to very quickly and easily get the results that they're looking for. So um, some of the ways that we do that are through the fact that we're on-demand, We've got quite a unique pricing model so that you can use this, you know, just for a single event, if you wish, so that you can apply Market Dojo, you know, in that particular situation and you don't have to worry about signing a lengthy contract. And then this, the software itself, you know, from the get go, we've really looked at some of the B2C tools like Amazon, you know, maybe, you know, going back now 10 years and, and seeing how easy they are to use and trying to apply that kind of approach to um to uh e-sourcing and of course nowadays i think that's that's something that we're seeing right across the market but uh, you know 10 years ago it was it was kind of unique
0: when i interviewed jack from Deepstream a couple of weeks ago he said kind of the same thing this sort of focus on user experience and you know treading that tightrope between stripping out features in favor of having a good ux what's your philosophy on that
1: I think we we um, when we started, obviously we had a very stripped back solution and we have added things, you know, over the course of our development. So where we try and add things, we, we're very customer focused. And I think, you know, most organizations would say that, but we really try and listen to what the customers are asking for and make sure that we we build those things into the solution. And and that can be challenging sometimes because I think customers will tell you a lot of things that they want. And sometimes the challenge is knowing what not to build as as much as what to put into the product. So we try and look for where those common themes are and add the features that we know are going to help lots of people rather than be just appropriate for one person. So we're trying to build a platform that is going to serve a, a lot of customers. And where that complexity comes in, I think one thing we do to try and manage the amount of uh, different options that people have to choose from is try and apply sensible defaults so for example if you're setting up an auction you know there's there's several different auction types that you can choose from we've got open ranked or a japanese auction that you can choose from Um, but we'll recommend you know we'll recommend actually ranked because in most circumstances is the right one to go for so by giving them uh, the option to choose things you know if you're a slightly more experienced user and you know that you want a specific kind of auction then that option's there but we'll also try and show the you know the, the kind of the the best option for you to use if you're not sure
0: and and that's a an interesting point actually because even though you're focusing on making it easy to use it does actually offer a lot of functionality in terms of the different types of sourcing events, doesn't it? Maybe just just walk us through what it can do in terms of the different types of auctions and uh, and RFPs before we before we go any further.
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess the the way I think about it is in terms of how the products evolved. So uh, where we started was with um, you know our, core, our our core product where it started was with e auctions and that's still you know a big part of what we do today we we really believe in the auctions and the benefit that they bring but then once we had the auctions piece uh in place customers started to ask for the RFQs as well so we can also support RFQs which you know is just a, a single bid rather than uh, many bids coming in
0: that's more on the on the tail spend side you mean or
1: um, yes, on the tailspend, but we also see this being used on quite strategic projects as well.
0: Okay, just as a one-time buy that's maybe quite a big piece of capex or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Got it. Absolutely. Um, and then you know from there we added questionnaire functionality so one of one of the criticisms leveled at e auctions is that they're very price focused and so through using a questionnaire you can actually start to weight that price so to to factor in other considerations such as the product quality or the delivery time scales, anything you really you can you can think of that you might want to consider. And that questionnaire weighting can actually be applied live during an e-auction or, or during an RFQ. So the um, suppliers are actually getting feedback on their combined score of you know the their questionnaire and their price as well, which is very important for a lot of our customers. You know, it's not just about price in many cases. From there, then I think in the e-sourcing module, the other thing, the other big innovation that we've we've added is uh, something we call advanced lots. So, um, you know, if you're if you're using Market DJ for the first time, you're probably going to create a, a lot structure where you've got one price per line item, per thing that you're going, you want to purchase. But with advanced lots, you can actually collect multiple prices. So, for example, understanding it at a much deeper level of detail exactly what the offer that the supplier is is giving you so you know what's the factory cost what's the delivery cost how are they going to ship the the product to you Um, are there other costs that you want to factor in the into the final cost so so with advanced lots you can build all that that information in into your uh, lot structure
0: so having that kind of waterfall or cost breakdown to understand what the end price is is made up of you mean
1: yeah precisely yeah. so it means that you've got all that information at your fingertips without having to resort to sending out a spreadsheet for for people to fill in all that detail afterwards you've got After it available fact, yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah got it yeah So just a quick interlude because there are a couple of things that I really want to make you aware of because I think they will be valuable for you. So number one, we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. If you want to get that, just head to ProcureTechPodcast.com. Forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're a head of procurement or a center of excellence leader, and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology, especially if you're a mid sized business, schedule a call with me. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode. Just hit that schedule a call link, and we can have a quick chat. To understand your challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization and now let's get right back to this week's show you You mentioned earlier you with your pricing model and the flexibility around that you've kind of got a sweet spot where any independent consultant or s m e can use your software on a on a pay as pay as you go or pay as you use basis but then at the same time, there is a, an argument to say it's also feature-rich and comprehensive enough to have something that has a value proposition to much more mature procurement organizations as well. What kind of challenges does that give you in terms of sales and marketing? I mean, I guess by that I mean if you try to be everything to everyone, you run the risk of being nothing to anybody. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's very true. And I think, I mean, having, um, you know, when when we went to trade shows in the early days and, and we were talking to different kinds of customers, it could be quite challenging trying to figure out what aspects of our product set we should be talking to them about, because, you know, there are some some different ways it can be used by different people. And I think that's one of the challenges, making sure that we've got the right solution for, for the customer and that we, we, we can put that across in the right way. I think the reason we've ended up there is because of, you know, that 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 way we listen to customers. And I think that's been really important. And it's given us, you know, lots of uh, very useful feedback, lots of ideas that we then had to prioritise. And I think that's one of the, the first challenges is that when you've got those different types of customers, it can be that you get lots of different ideas that, you know, some things won't be applicable to a certain kind of customer whereas you know for example an independent consultant might be really interested in having a lot of different e-auction types available to them because they're running these e-auctions on a you know on a very regular basis and they'll know with a lot of detail the different types of auction that might be applicable in in a particular situation as opposed to maybe uh, an SME, you know, they're they're dipping their toe in the water, and they'll need a lot more help to understand how to run the auction. And they want things to be nice and simple and straightforward, and not necessarily want all that choice. So that's one of the first challenges I think is is having that um, variety of customers and making sure that we can give them the solution that fits for them. And I think then a second challenge with that varied customer uh, base, uh, both in terms of industry and size is yeah for the marketing team kind of getting that that message across of of the benefit so our first customer was an engineering company buying machine parts and around that time I'd been reading a book called Crossing the Chasm uh, which is which is all about how to how to build software products and the recommendation there is that you nail a niche you find a particular market which your product suits well, and yeah. then you you build within that. And unfortunately, that wasn't to be for us because I think our first end uh, that that first engineering company they were delighted with the results, and they immediately wanted us to to build something additional. They wanted the RFQ feature <laughs> built up. and then our second customer was in a completely different vertical market. So it was it was quite challenging to kind of to serve all those different customers. But I think there are some common themes in there. And the benefit that it's given us now is that we've we've got a solution that we know how to apply in lots and lots of different situations so advanced lots that I mentioned earlier, for example we've seen we've seen users you've seen our customers use it across a whole real wide range of different tenders so from global freight to bill of materials and and even fruit and vegetable purchasing so I think that's that's uh been a challenge but but we can see a benefit to it as well and the third thing that springs to mind, I think, is being a best-of-breed solution. So, you know, particularly at the, the enterprise end of the market, we've got larger customers uh, with more complex requirements. And these could favor a single suite rather than, you know, a best-of-breed product like Market Data or a mini suite, as you, as you put it earlier. And that's fine. You know, sometimes a single suite is the right solution for that customer or that prospect. But we also see now, I think, um, one of the ways that we can kind of address that is that you know the best of breed approach does seem at the moment to be gaining a bit of traction and we are seeing success where we can offer a solution that meets those larger customers needs which is you know made up of market dayjo plus maybe one or two other partner companies that can address some of the the parts of the requirement that we we can't hit so yeah you know i think there are some challenges but there's also, you know, some some benefits to 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 having that variety as well.
0: And with best of breed there is naturally going to be a need to do other things as well because what best of breed is it typically solves one challenge and and does that very very well yeah. but there's always going to be a limitation isn't there of how many best of breed solutions you can mesh together without the whole thing falling apart and that is that is one of the advantages of suites. you know they do they do that very well but they the flip side is they don't do any single one thing you know particularly world class and i think it's as a customer you need to know what you want to be able to determine which route to go down. And, you know, I'm obviously a fan of best and of breed with what I do on the podcast, but I acknowledge that if you're an enterprise level customer, a suite may be a better idea because your processes are that complex that having one single source where you can go in as an entry point and then maybe bolt a couple of solutions onto it is possibly a better route to go down. Whereas whether if you're a, if, if you're a mid-market company, then you know if you've already got an ERP system, you can probably do what you want to do with best of breed in terms of where where your biggest where your most urgent requirement is. You you've built additional features and modules based on customer feedback, so it's been quite organic how you've grown from being a pure play e auction or or RFP solution to become. This sort of, you know, mini suite, or certainly a more expanded e sourcing solution with, you know, things like contract management and su- and supplier onboarding. What did you take on board then, as you listen to your customers? How did that journey typically go? We we definitely
1: are shaped by our customers, and um, for example, the supplier onboarding solution was um, something we we created. Uh, I think about seven years ago. So we had a customer that came to us, PHS, uh, and they saw the the Market Dojo solution as it was then for sourcing. And they said, look, we, we, we like the solution, but actually our biggest challenge is with the supplier onboarding. And it was obvious problem for them. And when we looked at the problem, we recognized that they weren't alone in having that problem. And the great thing about PHS was they saw the opportunity to use the solution we had already and with some you know with some changes, with some adaptions and, and uh, modifications, actually to use that for the supplier onboarding. And by working with PHS, um, we really you know we've we got a lot of benefit from from that relationship because they they had the experience of supplier onboarding. They've been doing it for a long time with with uh, paper forms and and word documents and so forth. So they knew some of the pitfalls um, and we were able to, um, use their expertise to, to make sure that the solution worked well, not just for them, but for the other customers that, that have a similar pain. So that's worked really well. But there have been also occasions when we said, no, this is just too far outside of our, our vision for, for, for us to pursue. And, and we're going to have to say no on this, on this occasion. So I think what's been important is, yes, listening to customers, but also having a really strong vision of, of where our boundaries are and having a solution for for the things outside those boundaries. So, you know, where where perhaps our our mini suite doesn't offer a a solution. So a great example is with Perangusta and their pipeline and savings modules. Um, We can can recommend and we can integrate with partners. Um, And and also, you know, we've got a simple contract management solution. So if your contract management requirements are, are... uh, um, just around the the storage of contracts and notification about expirations and things of that nature, that's great. Use Market Dojo, but if you've got a more regulated environment or a need for something uh, which supports contract authoring, then perhaps you would want to talk to one of our contract management partners and, and plug in that module there. So I think the answer is that you know the important thing for us is to have a strong vision of where we do and don't uh, provide the solution
0: and that's important to recognize and be self-aware enough to be able to acknowledge that because inevitably you can't do certain things as good as you know single best of breed solutions are going to offer and if you're trying to build all of these things as additional modules you're you're going to hit the wall at the end so i mean it's um yeah that's interesting to know that you you know you have an active strategy of partnering with with other solutions yeah absolutely with with the model that you're offering then with the flexibility that that offers in terms of the entry point and then being able to add on modules if and when you need them if you're not necessarily then getting long term contractual commitments off all customers Obviously, as a customer, I, th- I think that's great. But does it then give you headaches in terms of being able to accurately forecast revenue, and does that then impact your R and D or your staffing? Uh,
1: not really. I would say no. I mean, I mean, you, you're right. You know, we 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 have customers that will come and will will use this us on a one-off basis, and um, and then not continue. Um, I think the way we look at that part of the market is the way. Probably the same way that a, a business-to-consumer company um, treats their free plan. Um, it's a great yeah. entry. You know, we want we we don't want to do it for free because we want to see some commit from from customers. You know, quite often that'll be a, a an e auction event or some kind of similar exercise. And in those kind of circumstances, as you as you know, James, you need to put in the effort to get the results. So you need clear specifications. You need a number of suppliers to participate so we 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 don't do it for free because we see it as as an indication that the customer's got a commitment to to making a success but we don't necessarily aim to make a big profit at that point what we're trying to do is prove that market dojo is you know is going to bring some value and 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 deliver results for that customer and then hopefully they will see and want to continue, and perhaps you know, buy a, buy a year license, or perhaps continue with us in some other way. So, I would say you know, it's not really it's not really a big challenge, it's not something that keeps us awake at night, mind you. I, I guess you might get a slightly different answer from our sales team, you know, in terms of trying <laughs> to manage all those different customers and prospects and so on. But for 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 the organisation, I would say no.
0: And, and yeah that's that's a great point actually that go, that plays into the whole Seth godin marketing philosophy of getting your customers to be your biggest evangelists and then ultimately ultimately it helps you save on sales and marketing costs in the long run i suspect
1: yeah absolutely and the the whole organization's kind of um quite focused on that so we we have some uh across the organization some objectives to get good good customer feedback we use a site called captera. Um, we, where uh, customers yeah. can re- use reviews and, and across the organization, we try and make sure that where where we are making our customers happy, we can get them to talk about it.
0: So last question, Nick, If um, just tell us a little bit about your future plans. And then if anyone wants to get in touch and maybe sort of see a demo or learn a bit more, uh, what's the best place that they can do that and get hold of you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of future plans, I think, We'll be, you know, we've got a quite an, a, a, an ambitious roadmap. And as I said, we've got a vision of, of the things we want to add. So we're working to fill out that vision. And, and some of the things that that will include is much more of the integration side of things to, to allow us to um, integrate with a wider range of solutions. And I think, you know, integration is going to be a big part of everyone's future and just making those more plug and play and easy to easy to set up. And yeah, I guess on the um, contact side, um, if, if people have been interested in what they've heard today, then please take a look at our website. That's marketdojo.com uh, or even email us the the address is on the website as well, but info at marketdojo.com. And uh, yeah, I'm available in the usual places, LinkedIn and so on. I love to hear.
0: And I will link to all of that in the show notes. Nick, thank you for coming on the show today and telling us a little bit more about the history and what you've got planned and how flexibility really is at the core of what you do. It's certainly an ethos that I live by as well. And uh, yeah, wish you success.
1: Thanks very much, James. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: So flexibility, plug and play, pick and mix, pick and choose, whatever you want to call it, pay as you go. I I, I do really like that model. I'm a real fan of that model. And uh, yeah, it's great to hear how Market Dojo have been able to monetize that and make it a success really and and still sort of add-on features and and add to their products as time has gone on. Just a quick couple of things before we sign off. If you like the show, then don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and hit the subscribe button wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. So as you get a notification every time we release a new episode, which is, of course, on Wednesdays. I appreciate you listening to this podcast because I know there is a lot more competition out there now. And they're pretty good, actually, a lot of the shows that are out there. I listen to them too. So thank you for inserting us into your earballs today. Look after yourselves, take care, and I will speak to you again next week. Bye for now.